Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. Today, I, I, um, I have a message uh, teaching. I felt like God was taking me through um, a passage of scripture. I, I had been praying about some things and praying for some people, and God began to open up the word to me. And uh, today, I pray that I will be able to share it with you uh, in the way God began to minister it to me. The title of today's message is A Cry for Help. A Cry for Help. And the scripture is in Mark chapter 9. 14 through 29. Mark chapter 9, 14 through 29. And it reads, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to salute him. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him. Unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Somebody say, help us. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Somebody say, help us. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he is dead. 
But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. Let's pray. Father God, help us. Amen. Amen. Help us, Lord. Help us. I find there are a lot of people that need help these days. A lot of people need help. As a matter of fact, I, I find myself crying out for help. More today than I've ever done. I'm not ashamed to admit to you that I need help. Need some help. This passage in Mark chapter 9, it begins kind of in the same way as church. Jesus takes his disciples up into, the Bible says, a high mountain. And he gets up in the high mountain and he transfigures. He shows his real self, who he really is. He sheds the natural and they behold the Bible says, the beauty of the Lord. The Bible says that his raiment is glistening. It's white as snow. And standing there with him, there appears Elijah and Moses. Elijah who has never died. And then Moses who God secretly buried. And it's a glorious moment. They're in a glorious place because they are experiencing the glory of the Lord. And they're experiencing him so much so that Peter doesn't even want to come down off the mountain. As a matter of fact, he wants to build a church on the mountain. And what Peter doesn't realize is that mountain experiences are meant for you to come down and do some valley ministry. He gets up and he just wants to stay right there. And so they have a moment where God speaks and has to straighten Peter out. This is my son, my only begotten, my beloved son. Be quiet, shut up, and listen to him. They come down off the mountain, and just like church, 
after a wonderful service in the presence of God, after you have lifted your hands and you've shouted and danced and the glory of God has come upon you and you've cried and you felt so good, you come down off the mountain only to have to deal with mess. The Bible says in verse 14 that when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning them. He has to deal with, first of all, a dispute. The scribes are questioning them. It says questioning in the King James, but in most other translations, it says arguing. They were in an argument. The scribes, they were teachers of the law. So they understood the Torah. They understood the feast. They understood the laws of God. And being teachers of the law, they also understood authority. Now, the Bible doesn't say what they were saying actually to the disciples. But knowing that they were teachers of the law and that they understood authority, you can just about imagine. You can imagine what they were saying. Because if Jesus was who he said he was and ministered the way that he knew how to minister, then his disciples should have been able to do the same thing because they understood authority. Jesus has to come down and address the dispute. That's in verse 1, in the verse 14. In verse 17, we have a compassionate father that comes. And he has a desire within him. It says, and one of the multitude answered. Now, you have to watch this. Jesus addresses the scribes. And the disciples, but somebody in the crowd had to answer. And maybe perhaps because the disciples knew that they weren't in the place that they were supposed to be. Sister Caitlin kind of hit on my message, uh, the beginning of this message. Maybe, just maybe, they were trying to do ministry without the minister. And they felt ashamed. This father steps up and says, Master, I've brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. This father brings his son, and he has a dumb spirit. Now, don't go home and tell your child they have a dumb spirit. They just act dumb. Come on. <laughs> they act dumb. 
I didn't know you meant clean the whole room. They just acting dumb. When you said do the dishes, I didn't know it meant sweep and mop the floor too. Acting dumb. This son wasn't acting dumb. He had a dumb spirit. And the father came to Jesus. When I saw this, I thought, what a man. A real father. Because he brought his son to Jesus. And usually, it's the mom that brings the son to Jesus. You know, it's the mom that brings the, takes the child to the hospital because they remember the child's birth date. <laughs> they know the child's social security number by heart. They could tell you when they had their last dose of medicine. Most cases, you send the father, he barely knows their name. But here's a father that has a desire for something better for his child. And he takes the responsibility to bring his child to Jesus. Listen, you ought to celebrate every father in your life that ever brought you to Jesus. Every father, it may have been a father, a stepfather, a a father-in-law, it may have been a spiritual father, but if they brought you to Jesus, you need to thank God. There's the, the compassion you see of the father, but there's also, you see the condition of the son. The condition that the son was in. He, he was in a horrible place. He, he was dominated. He was dominated. That's verse 18 and 8. It says, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him. He was being dominated. That word taketh, it, it means laying hold of. It means to carry away, to seize, and or to apprehend. Do you know anybody who has been apprehended by a disease? Apprehended by a sickness? Apprehended by lack? Apprehended by depression? Many people today have been apprehended by stress and apprehended by fear and worry. People have been apprehended and seized today. Not only has he been, uh, does it take him, it says here, teareth him. Teareth. Teareth means causing convulsions. To cause convulsions. Have you ever been so torn up that you could almost toss up? crying because you're in a place where you don't know how you're going to make it. He was also delusional. 
That's 18 and B. 18B, it says, and he foameth and gnasheth away with his teeth and pineth away. The pineth means he's, he's wasting away. And so what they believe he was experiencing is an epileptic seizure. Or many people call it grandma type seizures. Now, not all seizures are caused by demonic activity. Not all seizures are. But we do know this, that sickness is a result of sin. And sickness can also come upon you from demonic activity. Sickness We're in a sin-sick world. Sickness is a result of a fallen world. And so sickness comes. But many times in sickness, the devil will snatch an advantage in our frailty. I thought about this because I remember growing up, I had asthma really bad. I was allergic to everything. I tell people, if it tastes good, I was allergic to it. Some of the things, it was, most of the time, I think it was the things, the ingredients that were added to, you know. But I would have a serious asthma attack. I was always in the hospital. Some things I couldn't eat. I couldn't eat greens. Greens. I couldn't eat greens, y'all. Things I couldn't, I couldn't eat chili. I couldn't eat chocolate. I remember one time I made a decision. I'm just going to have to suffer this asthma attack because somebody gave me a chocolate bunny for Easter. And I wanted that chocolate bunny. I said, I'm just going to have to have this asthma attack. by myself and sure enough that night I was in the hospital (laughs) I couldn't eat chocolate I couldn't play in the grass for long I would have I would wheeze and 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 I would I couldn't breathe but I remember I spent a lot of time at my aunt's house with her sons and we played a lot and and I, there were moments that I would have an asthma attack because I'm out playing or I was doing something or eating something that I shouldn't have been eating. And she would say to me, sit down. Sit down at this kitchen table, drink some liquids. She would have me just sit down, you know, and I would just calm down and I would start to breathe. But there were times when I would stay overnight at her house and she would prop a bed up next to her bed and I would sleep in that bed. And I remember in the middle of the night for no apparent reason, I would start to have an asthma attack and I would sit up. And when I would sit up, she would sit up and she would say, in the name of Jesus, stop it. Loose him. And then I would just go back to sleep. 
it would immediately stop. So there are times that the devil, he would try to just snatch an advantage in sickness. This boy, he had a, a dilemma. He had a dilemma. He was being heavily oppressed by the enemy. But this father came, and he came in distress. Verse 18 and C. He said, 18C, he said, And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He said that they should cast him out. There's a... There, there's an expectation when you've been with Jesus. There's an expectation of imitation. As a matter of fact, it, I find that with anything in life where you are growing, there's an expectation of imitation. See, with my kids, I have an expectation of imitation. I serve God, you need to be serving God. I go to church, you should be going to church. Come on. I worship, you should be worshiping. I'm in the word of God, you should be in the word of God. There's an expectation of imitation. It's that way on your job. If somebody trains you, uh, there is an expectation of imitation for you to do what they do. If you're under a, you're under a spiritual father, a tutor, a mentor, there's an expectation of imitation. And Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 5. He said, be ye followers of God as dear children. Just like a child. What does a child do? A child imitates what you do. That's why we get those, you know, when the babies, they're real little, you know. And, and you, you're there, they're laying down, and you take your hands and you cover your face. And then you... You go, you know, and the child laughs and giggles, but after a while, the child starts to imitate what you do. Imitation is, is learning to be skilled in something. You're learning to be skilled in something. The, the, the May Institute, they deal with uh, kids with uh, autism. The May Institute said that it's crucial that imitation is crucial to skill development. He said they should have cast him out. When people 
see you and they know you go to church. They expect you to be able to pray. They expect you to be able to do that. When people know that you go to church somewhere, they expect you to live holy. They do. Because if you're doing something that's sinful, they're quick to point it out. And they point it out because they have an expectation of imitation. And here, this father says they should have been able to cast him out, but they could not do it. Man, if this isn't where the church is today, here we are, we have an expectation of being able to heal the sick, being able to cast out devils. Now, listen, just being able to live right and live holy. An expectation of imitation. That's why when preachers fall, they blast it on television. There's an expectation of righteousness. If you're going to follow Jesus, there's an expectation of it. There's an expectation of sanctification. Come on. <laughs> there's an expectation of sanctification. I don't want to go there because y'all, ooh, you'd be mad at me. <laughs> and sometimes I have to catch myself. I have to catch myself, Pastor Hill, because I'm trying not to be judgmental. I'm trying not to be critical of people. But I expect Christians not to be out trick-or-treating. Come on. I don't care what the excuse is. The kids may look cute, but it's the devil's holiday. And so I wonder sometimes, you know, whose side are we on? I, 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 expectation of imitation. Jesus wasn't at the bar. Nowhere in scripture does it say Jesus had a social drink expectation of imitation <laughs> oh lord jesus you should see how you looking look is he gonna is he gonna touch on what i'm doing <laughs> expectation and and then so w with the expectation of imitation they found out now because they are not imitating the person that they are following, then they have some limitations. Can't do certain things. I'm sorry, you're not going to be healing the sick and, and, and sleeping and living with somebody. Ain't going to happen. You're not going to be performing miracles and, and you shacking up and you sleeping around. It ain't going to happen. No. 
expectation of imitation. The, the next thing you see here is the Lord's dissatisfaction with their lack of faith. Verse 19, 19a. He answered him and said, O faithless generation. Faithless generation. Here is the obstacle. He, he's telling us right here what the problem is. That we have a faithless generation. Today we have many people who now have decided just to stay home from church. Because of COVID, so they say. But I want to say, it's because you are faithless. Okay. Uh-oh. I'm not talking to those who need to stay home. Listen, if you don't feel well, stay home. <laughs> you got the sniffles, stay home. <laughs> I'm not talking about people who need to stay home. I'm not even talking about the people who left their church and started going to another church. I'm talking about all these people that decided to stay home and let home just be their own church. Faithless. You're faithless. Jesus said he's dealing with a faithless generation. A generation that do not that does not know who he is a faithless generation he was not only dissatisfied about their lack of faith but also their lack of fortitude because watch this watch what jesus says how long shall i suffer you People think Jesus didn't get frustrated. <laughs> he like, how long am I going to have to put up with this? How long? I've walked on water. I've healed the sick. I've raised the dead. And still, you are faithless. How long am I going to have to put up with this? How long am I going to have to deal with you? How long am I going to have to put up with your lack of faith? Ooh, this, this is a tough one to deal with. I had to check myself because I don't want Jesus frustrated with me. When I look at all the things that he's done for me, and I can't believe him for a headache. Healed me of asthma and I can't believe him for a hangnail. Come on. <laughs> Times that he made a way where there wasn't no way and I'm going to trip now. How long? 
He says, shall I suffer you? Suffer means to hold oneself up against. He said, now, how many times am I going to have to prop you up against the enemy when he's coming against you? Because <laughs> the enemy's coming. Come on. But he's saying, how many times am I just going to have to prop you up? The Bible declares that we are workers together with God. For every situation, every circumstance, you have got to have faith. The Bible says, Hebrews 11 and 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. No wonder he was not pleased. Because without faith... It's impossible to please God. And this is where we are today, ladies and gentlemen. We're in a faithful, faithless society. Dealing with faithful church people. Churchians. I call them churchians. There's, there's a difference between churchians and Christians. <laughs> People, we need faith today. Romans 10, 17 says this, faith comes by hearing. You got to get in a place where you are hearing. Faith. You got to hear the word so that your faith can be built up. Hebrews 11 and 1, faith is substance. Many times we're coming uh, up against a situation and we don't have any substance because we do not have faith. We got to have faith. Jude 1.20 says, build up yourself in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I find myself praying in tongues more now than I ever done before. I'm praying in tongues, walking around the house. I'm praying in tongues on the job. This is where I'm thankful for the mask. I put that mask on and I walk into my job. And while I'm walking, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm praying in tongues. I'm walking in different areas and I'm praying in tongues. All they see is my mask and I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'm building up my faith. <laughs> Come on now. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Build up your faith. The disciples have failed because they refused to build up their faith. The reason we publicly, the reason we, we fail publicly is because we fail privately. We fail privately. We fail to get in our closet. We fail to get in our secret place. We fail to get along with God. We fail to get in the word. I mean, you're tired of failing. Come on now. We need faith. What you see in the in, in verse 21, 
After you see the Lord's dissatisfaction, you see the Lord's compassion. And, and when God began to minister this to me and speak this to me, I, I, it just, I, I never saw this before. The Lord's compassion. Verse 21. He, he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. What Jesus is doing here, he's ministering some divine therapy. Because my thought was, when I, when I had this passage and I was meditating on it, my thought was, what does it matter how long they've been in the situation or it's been happening to the child if Jesus is about to deliver him in the first place? How does that matter? And but God began to minister to me and speak to me that it's a deaf and dumb spirit. It's, it's a particular kind of spirit. A, a deaf and dumb spirit is the type of this, this specific spirit that causes you to lose your voice. And in this situation, the father had lost his voice. Sometimes when you are caring for somebody else, <laughs> you can be so invested that you lose your voice. Because it hurts to see people go through. It hurts to have a son or a daughter who's facing such a dilemma and you feel hopeless and helpless. Whether it's a son or daughter, whether it's a husband, a wife, a grandparent, a friend. Sometimes when you're trying to help them, it can hurt you so much that you lose your voice. So Jesus, he asked him, he said, he asked the father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? He, he's talking about the child, but he's ministering to the father. Because the father is vulnerable. The father is defenseless. The father is weak. And he feels hopeless and helpless to help his son. And God said this to me. He said, Jesus wants to hear your side of the story. I know the son has his side of the story because he's going through it. But it's not just the person that's going through it. It's the person that's going through it with them that has a side of the story too. I don't know if you ever had to clean somebody up. Somebody that cleaned you up when you was a child but now in their years as they age you have to 
clean them up. Thought about my grandmother. She was 91 years old. My grandmother who fed me and changed me. And then in her later years, in the end of her years, here I am. I had to change her. And I remember I cried. Cried. Because here's this woman that took care of me and now I'm taking care of her. Then had to deal with, I remember my father. My father. Who's... His birthday would be the 24th, November. And I thought about my father and how we had to take care of my father when for years he took care of us. And I think oftentimes we fail to minister to the one who's doing the ministering. But Jesus didn't overlook them. And Jesus didn't overlook the father. He said, how long? How long has it been on the child? How long have you been dealing with this? How long have you had to be their support? How long have you had to carry them because they couldn't carry themselves. How long did you have to go without worrying about your needs to deal with their needs? How long? He wants you to know that he knows that the issue is affecting you too. So he ministers to the father. He gives him his voice back. He gives him an opportunity to share. I find that many times some people, they, they say they want prayer. But many times all they're looking for is someone to listen. They just need an opportunity to share their story. Not only do we see the Lord's compassion, but, and we saw the, the son's condition, but we see the father's condition in this. His doubt. 22b. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. You see his condition. He says, if you can. He's in doubt now. But he's in doubt because he came to his disciples and the disciples couldn't do anything. Now Jesus' credibility is called into question because of his disciples. 
And Jesus, he addresses his doubt. He says, it's not a question of if I can do anything. <laughs> because I can't do anything. The question really is, can you believe? Now we have to pause right here. Can you believe? Can you believe what? I think a lot of times we, we burden ourselves trying to believe for the healing instead of just believing the healer. Sometimes I think I, I burden myself trying to believe for the miracle instead of really believing in the miracle worker. Have you ever found yourself there? I, I've been trying to believe for this breakthrough to happen uh, instead of really believing for the breaker to break it through for me. Come on. It's not a question if, if, I, if I can do anything. It's can you believe? And then the father I love this because the father said, help us. Help us. The father, he's, he's so tied to his son, he identifies with his son issues. And, and many times, we like to separate ourselves from people's issues. <laughs> Pray for my son. He has a drug issue. Pray for my daughter. She has an alcohol issue. How often do you hear someone say, pray for us. We have a drug issue. <laughs> That's real intercession right there. Pray for us. We have an alcohol issue going on. Pray for us. The father cries out. Pray, he said, help us, help, send aid to us. Because no matter what they're going through, that's a part of me. And if they're going through it, then I'm going through it to help us, Jesus. They're not anybody themselves. And so the father cries out, he said, help my unbelief. Oh, my goodness. He said, help my unbelief. Send aid. Send comfort. Send support. God, lift me in this situation. Help my unbelief. There, it was Charles Spurgeon who said this. He said, when you receive a little bit of faith, you instantly recognize how much faith you don't have. <laughs> this father had a little wisdom. He said, Lord, help my unbelief. He didn't try to hide it. He didn't try to spiritualize it. He said, I don't have enough faith for this. He said, so I'm asking you to help my unbelief. Believe. 
And few Christians will, there's few Christians that will actually tell the truth and say they got some unbelief in that area. Got, got a little unbelief over in here. I was left hanging before one time I was praying about it. It seemed like I got left hanging and now I'm facing this issue and I got a little unbelief. <laughs> you ever been there? Had a little unbelief? And this father prays, help my unbelief. And the thing is, see, when you're asking for help, people, Christians don't like to ask for help. But this is the thing. When you're asking for help, you are actually asking, according to Hebrews 13 and 6, for the Lord to be your helper. Because his name is Jesus, Yahshua. The root word of that is Yasha, and Yasha means help. Yasha means save. Yasha means aid. Yasha means uh, uh, deliverance. Everything that you need. So sometimes you don't even know what you need, but all you have to do is just ask for help. Lord, I need some help. I don't know exactly what I need in this situation, but I know I need help. I, I don't know what the real answer is in this situation. Uh, I know I need help. I, I know I need help right now. Uh, see, when you ask him for help, God knows you're asking for him. Oh, my goodness. You're asking him to get in your situation. You're asking him to get in your circumstance. You're asking him to get down in it. Uh, that's why I, listen, that's why I love the songs we were singing this morning. Listen, listen. When Jesus comes down in your situation, you have to know this. <laughs> that wherever he is, freedom is coming. If he gets in your sickness, then healing has to come because he is the spirit of liberty and freedom and he will not be bound up and he will not be chained up and he will, come on somebody, and when you ask for help, oh my God. Paul and Silas, they were in the prison and they began to pray and sing praises to God. Well, when Jesus showed up, the prison's doors could not do anything but open up because Jesus cannot be held in bondage. You can't hold them. You can't tie them up. You can't keep them. You can't, no, 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 no. Somebody you got to ask for help. You got to cry out help. Like Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. I know I sound like a rapper. Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, the Bible says he was sitting by the roadside one day. And he knew that Jesus was passing by. And he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. What was he doing? He was asking for help. Jesus, thou son of David. See, he just didn't say Jesus he, because in that day, there was a whole lot of Jesuses walking around. But he wanted to make sure that Jesus knew exactly who he was talking to. So he had Jesus, the son of David. That's who I'm calling right now to help me. 
Jesus, the son of David. Jesus, the ruler Jesse. Jesus, the king of kings. Jesus, the lord of lords. Jesus, the rose of Sharon. Jesus, the lily of the valley. I need some help. Somebody say help. Help, Jesus. Help, Jesus. Help me in this, Jesus. Help me right now, Jesus. Help me in the morning. Help me in the afternoon. Help me in the midnight hour. I need some help. I need help in my body. I need help in my mind. I need help when I go to work. I need help when I go to the grocery store. I need help, Jesus. I need help when I'm driving on the freeway. I need help, Lord God. Well, my God, somebody say help. <laughs> I need help. <laughs> when Jesus comes in, he comes in to help with deliverance. Here's the rebuke. Verse 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit. This lets you know that Jesus wasn't about show. You know, he, made, he cast the devil out and the people were there. He healed people, but he wasn't a showman. Because people were running together because they think they about to see something. But before they could get there, Jesus told that foul spirit, come up out of him. Loose him. He said, thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge you to come out of him. And look what he says, and enter no more into him. He gives a final judgment on the thing. See, I need, when I, I need God to show up and judge it for me. Yeah, because see, when he judges it, he pronounces a finality on it. He says, come out and don't come again. He says, come out and don't bother coming back. Loose him and let him go and don't you ever show up again. Oh, my God. After he rebukes it. He brings restoration. Verse 26. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and he lifted him up and he arose. He lifted him up and he arose. Jesus lifted him up and he arose. Now, I know it sounds like the same thing, but it's not. It's not. See, Jesus, in one hand, lifts him up. But when Jesus begins to lift him up, the man began to stand up on his... <laughs> he began to stand up on his own. <laughs> he began to do something himself. Uh, all of a sudden, faith got inside of him, and he began to get up on it. Oh, my God. It was kind of like when Jesus healed the man with the withered hand. He told him to stretch it forth. He didn't have anything to stretch forth, but he did have some faith. And by faith, he began to stretch forth what he did not have, and God began to provide something that he never had. It's, 
if you will receive God lifting you up, you'll be able to stand up on your... Oh, my God. After Jesus lifted him up, he got up. <laughs> While Jesus was picking him up, he got up. <laughs> Come on now. Jesus was at the well, and he asked that man. The man had been laying there at the pool of Siloam. He'd just been laying there. And Jesus wants to know, are you willing to get up? Jesus said, are you willing? To get up. Are you willing to have the faith to get up? Because after I pick you up, you'll be able to get up. After that came the revelation, verse 28. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. God said, here's the two things we need. <laughs> we need faith in this hour. People need faith. People need faith, oh my God. Because what the coronavirus has produced is a spirit of fear. Oh, my God. So many people are in fear. And if you look on YouTube, you'll go, oh, my goodness. Everybody's prophesying 666 and the Antichrist and the end of days. And if you just listen to all that stuff, and there's some merit to it and all that. But if you just listen to that, you are going to be in fear. God wants somebody that's got some faith. He said, when I come back... Will I find some faith in the earth? And I believe he's coming. But when he comes, he's looking for faith. I want to be somebody that's got some faith. I want to have that mountain moving kind of faith. The kind of faith, he said, have faith in God. That's the first mistake most of us got. Our faith is in the government. Our faith is in what we can do. Our faith is in our own hookup. Our faith is in our own intelligence. Have faith in God, he said. You got to have faith in God. Oh, my goodness. You got to have faith in who he is, that he is God, that he is the creator of heaven and earth that he is the alpha and the omega and God is everything in between. You got to have faith in God. You got to have faith that Jesus is who he said he is. He is the savior. He is the redeemer. He is the prelate. He is the author and finisher of my faith. Does anybody have faith today? You can come on, stand on your feet. <laughs> we got to have faith. Now watch this. And we got to have some prayer. Oh my God. We got to go to prayer. We need prayer. He started off, he said, faithless generation. Which lets you know we need some faith. And then he said, well, all you're dealing with right here, this kind. There's a certain kind. <laughs> there's a certain kind 
This is not your run-of-the-mill type of devils you are dealing with today. Pastor Hill, we are not dealing with the same devils that we dealt with in 1960, in 1950, in 1940. The Bible says that they are spirits uh, that have been tied up for up until this time that are loose for the end times. We're dealing with ancient devils right now. And for ancient devils, you need strong faith. You need a faith in God that's unmoving. You need a faith in God that's unshaking, that won't waver. We need a faith that won't back down, won't give up, won't surrender. Oh, my God. We need faith today. Somebody say faith. Not only do we need faith, we got to go to prayer. People need prayer. People are asking for prayer. People that never would have asked for prayer on my job. Since coronavirus, they've been asking for prayer. Pray for me. Listen, they're losing loved ones left and right. They are asking for prayer. But we got to have faith. Not faith in your prayer. (laughs) Not faith in the fact you can move a mountain. Faith in Jesus. Faith in who he is. Why? Because people are looking to you. (laughs) They're looking to you. They're going to bring people to you. They're, 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 gonna, they're going to send people your way. They're going to have people call you. <laughs> Why? Because you are, have an expectation of imitation. God told Moses, he said, look here. You're going to be God to them in my steed. You're going to be God. You're going to walk like me, talk like me, and you're going to represent me before the people. But you can't represent nobody you ain't been with. (laughs) You You got to be with them in order to know who they are. You got to spend time with them in order to know who they are. Today, we're crying out for help. We're crying out for help. How many of you need help with your faith? I do. I need help with faith. I need more faith. I need strong faith. I need faith that can grow through the storm of this life. Right now, if you recognize that you need help with faith, I want you to come up. We're going to just cry out for help. We're going to cry out for help today. God help us. 
God help us. Look at your neighbor. They're not anybody himself. God help us. Somebody say, help us. Lord, help us. You may have a husband at home right now. Dealing with issues. Help us. You may have children in the streets right now. Lord, help us. Family members dealing with sickness, dealing with disease, help us. Dealing with mental disorders, Lord, help us. People have been apprehended by lack and poverty, Lord, help us. We need help today. Come on, praise team, and help me. Because we're crying out for help. When you're crying out for help, just know this. You're calling on Jesus. The Lord is your help. He is your help. God, help us. We don't know what to do, but we know we need help. We don't have all the answers, but we know we have the answer. He is our help. His name is Jesus. Come on, start to ask him, come on, cry out. Lord, help us, help us. Come on, I want you to get your friends, your family, I want you to put them on your mind and your heart right now and then start to ask God for help. I want you to get your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, put them on your heart and your mind and start to ask for help. Your co-worker, your friends, your cousins, your neighbor, start to ask God to help us. Come on, cry out, help us. That father cried out, he said, help us, help us. Come on, I can't hear you. And if you don't need help, I want you to join in with us because we need some help. And start to say, Lord, help us. Help us, God. Lord, help us. We're dealing with a lot. Help us, God. What we're dealing with is overwhelming. Help us, God. God, this thing's been trying to overtake us. Help us, God. Help us, Lord. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Hey, 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 Come on, cry out for help. Cry out for help. You need help in your body. Cry out for help right now. Oh, You need help with your finances. Cry out for help right now. If you need direction, and guidance cry out for help right now oh the lord is your help hey come on you need strength right now come on cry out for help god i need some
strength. God, I'm weak right now. I need help. Oh, God. If you need peace right now, cry out for help. If you need Jesus, just cry out for help. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 